What the? Oh, my God! God almighty, what a kick right to Arn Anderson's face. There's Cody. Oh, my God! Tommy End, or whatever he's going to be called. That is Malachi Black. Oh, my God. What a shocking debut! Good shit. Late to every episode. Late so much, I'm going to have to buy you a pregnancy test. Bob Rude. <laughs> I want to be a podcaster. Yay. It's my name is Kenta. I'm going to call him Kenta. Dynamite drop in, Monty. That broadcasting school is really paying off for you. <laughs> That's a bold statement, Cotton. Oh, my God. Mine just stopped recording. No, we're good. We're still recording. What a dick. Not with me. I'd cease and desist me. I'd cease and desist me hard. I need a minute to recover off that. What kind of game is it? War games! Let a war! War games! You are impressionist. I have, yeah, I know. That's the only thing I've said in the last half hour. Bark, Bark like a dog. dog. <laughs> oh! Oh! Oh, jinx! Holy shit! How did that actually happen? Here we go. Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties because it's the Top of Wrestling Podcast. We are back. It is Wednesday, and you know what that means. We're ready with a brand new episode. We got a top topic. We got the Monday Night Wars continuing 25 years later. We also are going to be talking about, well... A couple of, uh, of big things that we're both going to be bringing to the table this week. We got some news. Got a lot of things that we're going to talk about. But you know, as always, we thank you. Uh, I am the Professor Mark Fantasia. I want to thank you for listening to us on either iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, Pandora, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Haven't said that in quite some time. As always, you know we bring you good wrestling, good flicks. So if you may have caught that intro you may have caught it pretty early because that's a quote you hear maybe a couple of two three times in the movie we're talking about today last week was a mel brooks spoof of robin hood prince of thieves this was robin hood we're men we're men in tights tight tights it's a fun one last week i had a lot of fun with that and you know who had a good time ladies and gentlemen odm professor I would love to stay here and talk with you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> you bastard. That was my closer. I, I was like, that's an end. That's an end. But even better. Way to open it. All right, everybody, thanks for listening this week. It was a lot of fun. We'll catch you back next week. I'm out of here. That was a good one. I'm not going to lie. That, that's. I thought, I was like, that's going to be a good one to use. Um you know, I, I, I will say, I, I mentioned that we have a top topic coming up this week. And if you listen to last week, it is a redemption of the horrible list that WWE put out in the top 50 tag teams of all time. ODM, did you happen to glance at the spreadsheet I put together today? I did very, 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 very briefly. And at first I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, oh, you have it broken up. I'm like, okay. 
Yeah, I was like, he's going to be like, what a dick. Like, I'm not trying to make this an 18-hour episode. I'm not. But let me tell you, when it comes uh, down to having oh, your top yeah, tag yeah. teams, and it's a thing I've always been a fan of, it was a tough thing to break down. So we'll get there. That we will. Um, but before we have our, our funds and giggles, you know, generally, you know, when certain people, you know, pass on, you know, we love to give our condolences. Some people we like to spend a minute or two on, and this is one that I'm not going to lie. I want to because it's someone that shaped both of our childhoods when it came to wrestling. Someone we bo- It was a staple of wrestling for both of us. And that is just earlier today, as we're recording right now, uh, actually almost just mere hours ago, Mr. Wonderful, Paul uh, Paul Orndorff, passed away at 71. Main evented the very first WrestleMania with Roddy Piper versus Hogan and Mr. T. Uh, I mean, he was in just, I loved all of his stuff in WCW as well. I mean, like, that was probably the stuff I, I you probably more remember him than he had anybody the, is that. He had the gimmick where it was like the dude from Saturday Night Live where he's looking in the mirror giving himself a pep talk. And gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> that was basically his gimmick for a little bit in WCW. See, but yeah. he pulled that off better than like Mojo Riley looking at the mirror and painting himself blue. <laughs> oh, God. goddamn blue. Ay, ay, ay. It was, uh, no, but it was very sad to hear about that today. And now that I've talked about that and brought that up, you know, I generally, back to, what, season one, it was Professor's uh, suggested match of the week. I'm going to suggest one for you, honestly. Really, just go back to WrestleMania 1. Honestly, I love watching him and Piper tag together. To me, the fact that it was the main event, let's move Mr. T a little to the side because, you know, it's a celebrity thing. But at the same point, it still was two awesome heels doing amazing work with the best, you know, one of the, well, the quote-unquote best of all time, right? You know, one of your Mount Rushmore's of wrestling. And... One of the A-team guys. So, you know, they, they worked really well as heels. I loved Paul Orndorff, man. So, uh, you know, rest in peace and our condolences to his family. We did see pictures of he, that he wasn't doing too well, I think, lately, right? Like, yeah, pretty much. Him and Terry thing. Funk. The Terry Funk thing was its own separate thing, though. So, yeah. Uh... Oh, God. Look, I don't want to make fun of this. I really, really, It's not making fun, I swear to God. As soon as I read that he had dementia, I go, oh, my God, he is going to grab a chair and beat the fuck out of a nurse. He's going to think he's just, like, in the middle of a match or some shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, Nurse, I need I'm... some barbed wire and a pantyhose to put over my face. <laughs> Where's my chainsaw? <laughs> Where's cactus? Holy shit. He thinks he's in Arizona. He's talking about a cactus. <laughs> Oh, my God. I just, <laughs> again, not mocking it, but really when I thought about it, I was like, oh, my God. That's just for a guy who is as nuts as he's always been, you know. But, you know, someone did make a mention recently. They're like, it sucks that Terry Funk is known mainly for hardcore. Mm-hmm. And I agree because he really uh, he had a great feud with Ric Flair, the I Quit match, things like that. I mean, it wasn't necessarily all just about, about being brutal, hardcore, barbed wire type fights. He had some great fights, and we're even going to talk about him later on in our tag teams' uh, uh, top topics. So you know, I, I, I it sucks that he really is kind of just what do you want to say pigeonholed to just one. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look back, he's being he, hardcore. Yeah, he's one of the greatest heels of all time, really, when you think about yeah. it. You know. 
So yeah, him, Dory, absolutely. Uh, but what else we got for news, my man? All right. Well, Bailey looks like she's injured, uh, which is a damn shame. One of the more competent wrestlers, obviously, on the main roster. She was set to take on Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And uh, apparently during training, Miss uh, tore her ACL. Well, Miss, uh, the expected timetable right now is set at nine months, which is a damn shame. Training? Oh, you mean she was at, like, the gym working out? Uh, Probably at the Performance Center. If I had to fathom a guess. Fucking A. Yeah. You saw my notes, mm-hmm. and that's why I say that. If you have not heard, it was recently mandatory by Vincent Kennedy McMahon that wrestlers who are on the road, on your main roster, go to the performance center and just tweak up practice do things so on a day where it's not even competing for money not even a house show not even tv anything at all bailey has just taken nine months of her career off for something that she already does on a daily motherfucking basis you don't know what the fuck you're talking about dude vince not you. Oh, i was gonna you say know what you're talking about <laughs> no, but is that not be- it, that's bullshit. You sent her to go down there, you injured the best women's heel that you have going on your uh on your roster today. No one can play a heel the way she does. She's like not right now. No one I mean Carmella maybe because but that's natural booze. Yeah, <laughs> that's X-Pac. When it comes to Yeah, thank you. But when it comes to Bailey, she works hard. She plays the the Karen, if you will. She's got the fucking ha- Karen haircut. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. So uh, she's there. You took her out. I, that just bothers me so bad that like they, you're sending people down there. And think about it. What else happened? Now, and it's someone we're actually going to talk about down the road, but they sent someone down to the performance center after calling him to the main roster. That is, again, your left hand not knowing what your right hand is doing. You know, it's going up, down, up, down. I will say, this next piece of news, oh, God. <laughs> you know what? Right here, we're, we're going to play a bumper right now. Glorious, glorious, glorious. Glorious indeed. What an amazing debut that no one saw coming. Fucking glorious. And you like our new bumper? You're welcome. (laughs) Um, Please, talk about what happened on Dynamite. Well, fucking, fucking hell. Earlier in the show, lights go out. Oh, sorry, folks. We're having uh, some uh, technical issues here. All right, show goes on. Nothing comes of it. And later in the night, Arn Anderson's out there to tout how great things are going for Cody and I guess the Nightmare family, what's left of it anyway. And, uh, you know, lights go out again and the lights come out and God motherfucking damn it. It's, I'm and I want to get back to Excalibur in a little bit on this. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Cause it's Tommy end, but it's not Tommy end. That's Malachi black. I like the name. I do. Cause you're playing off of Alistair black too. and Malachi black is kind of, and he just spin, he fucking black masses the shit out of Arn, who sold it like a million fucking dollars. The microphone went flying up in the air, and it looked great. 
Cody came out of nowhere because he wasn't in the ring initially, but all of a sudden he was there, and Alistair kind of does that. Oh, no, 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 we're cool, we're cool. Hey, you want to shake hands? No, no, okay, we're cool, we're cool. Backs up and fucking just spin kicks him right in the face. Um, God, there's so many things to say about this. All right. I know, dude. I, I marked out. <laughs> the first thing that I want to say is good for him. It's fucking awesome. He That's where he should be. That's where he should be. He should be getting the exposure, and I said it last week, two weeks ago, right to Omega. Right to Omega. That's where you go. Moxley, when he left WWE, he put out this vignette. He produced it himself. He filmed it himself. It's basically about him being in prison and breaking out. The last segment that Black was in, which is hilarious because it was almost like Moxley, where they basically murdered Moxley, they basically impaled Black's eye. So he's got this Mm -hmm. fucked up eye. Buddy Murphy is the one that did it. Yep. Yep. In WWE storyline. Yep. Just, yeah. So Black films like a four-minute short where he's in a mental hospital with his eyes still fucked up, and he murders two doctors and he escapes. When he shows up on Dynamite, his side of his face is bruised and his eye is still fucked up. God damn it, that's how you book something worth watching. But when? When did that video of his come out it wasn't like the same day less than six to eight hours before dynamite aired live now let's talk about it you're like well whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. he was just let go from wwe about 30 in a, in a couple of change days ago <laughs> you're right so so when they brought alistair up from NXT with Ricochet, yep. I'm going to go ahead and say probably. Yep. They weren't anticipating AEW back in 2000. Well, I mean, AEW was a thing in 2019 when that happened. Mm-hmm. It was beginning of WrestleMania 35. But I don't think they thought anybody was going anywhere. They were just bringing Alistair and Ricochet up. And, you know, it, look, I don't want to, please don't let me sidestep this too much. I just want to say. That goddamn move with Ricochet and John Morrison from the rope to the barricade oh my God, to the that outside. Was phenomenal. One of the coolest things I've seen phenomenal. all year. Thank you, boys. Just want to say that. But back to Alistair Black um, or Tommy N. When they brought him up, they only made it a no compete 30 day no con or no or no competing for 30 days contract. Or like with an option to, or do you know exactly what the contract was? So in NXT, the contracts have 30-day no-compete clauses. When you get called up to the main roster, they modify your contract and change it to 90 days. They never did that with him. Yeah, but a lot of people have waited 90 days after NXT. Did they just not not know? Not directly from NXT, no. No, it's oh, only well, thirty. Then, then, yeah. then I could be incorrect on that. But one of the best memes was a picture of Alistair Black, but with the head on the shoulders of Vin, of uh, Shane McMahon. It said the contract did say no compete, like the whole buying nitro yeah. thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it said thirty days, Vince. I was like, <laughs> that's funny because <laughs> it's what happened, and you know, right now they're like everybody's revamping contracts right now. I loved it, and it was awesome because someone else also ventured off of it uh, just this past Sunday night as well, but we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, I have an issue with Alistair Black 
going after Cody. You said, what, a week or two ago, like you said, it was Omega. You need to go after. Everybody who gets fed to Cody loses to Cody. Lance Archer, um, I'm pretty sure. No, actually, Brody Lee was the only one that, like, demolished him yep. in seconds. or You know what I mean? With that squash. And unless you're doing that, that's cool. I'm there. But he doesn't have the TNT title, anything like that. What's the point of going after Cody? Unless you just want to go after the head of the company. It's like your Triple H, right? Because you know he's involved. Uh, but I would have rather seen him go right after the guy who looks like 2003 Triple H right now and Harley Race, Kenny Omega. Ooh. So here's the thing. So kayfabe, it's probably because Cody doesn't have an opponent until he's on to his next venture outside of the ring. So they're like, well, this this will get us some some draws, and it probably will be. The, it'll bring you to all out. It'll probably be the same thing with Brody. Black's gonna murder him. They'll probably put on a great match, and Black's gonna murder him, and then he can go after Omega. But but if you want to get like deep with it, and this is ODM's fantasy booking corner we're in right now, <laughs> have him go after the elite. He starts with Cody. Cody's not with the elite anymore. But he's part of the foundation that built AEW. So now I'm going to go after the Bucks. I don't want the tag titles. Secretly I don't want to take out the Bucks. Just yeah. take them out and then go after Omega or go after the Good Brothers, too. By the way, when did John Moxley start looking like Triple H? Did <laughs> you see that? He shaved his head completely. I thought he looked kind of like Champa a little bit. He's well, he does, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Anyway, we'll see. Um, you know, and one that I'm going to bring up right now, if you didn't get to see this past weekend, Sunday night, Ring of Honor was back with their first fan-based type show, and it was Best in the World, as they tend to do generally in June, a little late this year, but they're finally doing it, of course. And, well, a couple of things happen. First, we have a new Ring of Honor world champion as Bandito defeated Roosh in the main event. And it was, I, it was a good match, and Roosh started to tear off the mask, and he got distracted enough where a quick roll-up, and one, two, three, we have a new Ring of Honor champion. Ring of Honor is all about pushing young talent and giving them opportunities. The whole pay-per-view was absolutely awesome. But one thing that happened, Maria Kanellis comes out and starts talking about the 14 or 15 woman I don't know how that 15 was happening. Oh, someone was getting a buy. That's yeah. right. Uh, Angelina Love is getting a buy. Vita is being taken out of the tournament because she doesn't play by the rules. I don't know what that means. I don't even know who Vita was. I don't know what she not playing by the rules means. I didn't catch it. I don't know if she was picked up somewhere, whatever the case is. But they said, we have found a suitable replacement. And out comes Hot Mess. Chelsea Green. Chelsea's got a cast on her arm. First thing she says, oh, it feels good to have freedom. And she said that she's been told she hasn't been good enough and that she's not ready. Now, you got to remember, this is a former knockout impact champion, right? Like, this is, she wasn't just like uh, someone that went to NXT and did nothing. She, you know, she, if I'm not mistaken, she may have passed the title off to Tessa Blanchard originally. Or it could I could be wrong about that, but right. she was in the mix with all those ladies over there, and she said that she is excited to get into Ring of Honor and show that she's going to be 
the staple of what Ring of Honor women's wrestling is going to be about. Oh, it was an awesome promo. Like, you could feel it. And it was so cool to watch Maria Kanellis in the background. She just had this fucking huge smile on her face. Like, she was like, I am so fucking proud of you right now. Because, you know, her and Mike Bennett, who, you know, lost in the Pure Championship match, but had a great match against uh, Jonathan Gresham. She was, you know, her and Mike Bennett could not wait to pretty much leave WWE. I mean, they had the the rehab thing. Everything helped him and stuff. But at the same point, they didn't do anything for him creatively. Here he gets to Ring of Honor. He gets to show that he can still wrestle. And it's just great to see that. But Chelsea Green showing up, awesome. It was a great, great moment. Hell yeah. Now, and we also had uh, EC3 defeating Flip. Yeah. Crazy, man. I'm still waiting for Flip to go to AEW. I thought that was like yeah, so did like I. A, a lock. Yeah, it, well, especially when you watch Being the Elite, you're like, well, that's gonna happen at some point, and then it's not at all. Maybe set. Maybe Flip doesn't like him. He's like, fuck these guys. I got my contract. They can eat it, dick now. <laughs> I've watched your show. I'm good. <laughs> all right. I don't need to watch your penis references with the Good Brothers and Don Callis. <laughs> I know. Jesus. Um, you know, man, honestly, there's been a couple of other things that are coming up here. Talk about what I'm excited. Go ahead, please. I'm so excited about this one. Fire up the recording machine for July 22nd because we're getting Walter versus Ilya Druganov again. Part two. Man. It's a doozy. Did you see? (laughs) (laughs) Am I right or am I right? Am I right? right? Am I right? Right. Am I right? I almost forgot that we're supposed to be throwing those things in there for well, a minute, man. We got it's a, it's a real little... into shit, but I forgot about Bing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't podcast angry. Don't podcast angry. <laughs> oh god, uh, morons! Your bus is leaving. Okay, uh, but yeah, dude, I think I feel this. They're gonna bring Walter up to the main roster. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think he's dropping the title. I think Dragunov will win the title. Uh, I mean, how long are you going to let Walter? I mean, it's you got to have him go up to the main roster. What is he going to keep doing there that he hasn't already done? Yeah, I uh, I just don't want it. Well, either Especially way, you know it- what? That match, it's going to have a finish. We know that for sure, right? It's either going to be a, a win, a lose, or, or a draw, maybe. But most likely, it's not going to get overturned. You know what did get overturned this past weekend? Jesus. CM Punk is no longer 0-2 in the UFC. He is 0-1 in whatever the fuck you call a no contest. Because, uh, I'm going to make sure it's right. Mike Jackson tested positive for marijuana. Okay. I hate to sound like every comedian and every person out there, but if you have ever had marijuana, it does not fucking empower you to be faster. It does not empower you to be a better fighter. It doesn't empower you in any way than just going to Taco Bell and eating a lot of fucking food or McDonald's and getting chicken nuggets. That being said, being straight edge laid on the side of CM Punk once again, because if because of marijuana he doesn't smoke it his opponent did and now that that was overturned i just thought it was hysterical i go <laughs> his two losses and i go the only thing that comes close is it was overturned 
So Dana, he hasn't technically lost two. He gets another chance. I mean, it's not like he broke his ankle like Connor. Oh, my God. What was I <laughs> laughing about earlier? Oh, yeah, that crippled Irishman again. <laughs> it's a line from The Simpsons. The first, the last time that Cormier put him, or uh, not Cormier, uh, Poirier put him down. Poirier, yeah. They, they did that Simpsons meme where it's like Mr. Burns is like, what yep. was I laughing again about? And then I saw it again the other day. I'm like, didn't I post that meme once already? I'm like, I'm not posting it again. Dude, I was watching. Dude, dude. Bro, it did you bad. see, did you watch any of the fights that night? We're going on a tangent here. Sorry, Nightwing. The green-haired guy. The green-haired dude. Like, I've never Holy seen. I, I've never seen such a high success rate on jabs and punches. He hit like eighty-nine percent of his jabs. He it was dude, one of the coolest it, fights I've ever seen. It was like <laughs> playing a video game on the easiest setting. <laughs> against your little brother who can't figure out how, why the controller's upside down yet. <laughs> we, oh, my God. We were rolling. We were, I was at the bar. There was chicken nuggets. You know, it was just. Oh, my God. Bro, it was it was Dude, a blast. It was hilarious. I will say my favorite meme that I did get to see about Conor McGregor is it was in reference to the very first Fast and the Furious, which you've seen that, of course. Everybody's seen the very first one, right? You've seen that? A hundred years ago, and I still try to forget it every day. Okay, either way. The part where Paul Walker goes, dude, I almost had you. And he goes, dude, you never had your car. Well, there's a part where I mean, I saw it says Conor McGregor, dude, I almost had you. Poirier says, dude, you never had your ankle. Jesus. (laughs) And you hear hear what Poirier said? He goes, karma's not a bitch, it's a mirror. (laughs) Dude. But it's funny because Ronda Rousey called it out. She's like, hey, props to you, man. You're laying on your ass, and you're already calling him out for the next fight. And I'm like, it's yes and no. I don't know, man. Like, it's get easy your, to talk shit. Get your ankle fixed there. It is easy to talk shit. Dude, Dana White, or uh, yeah, not Dana White. Uh, Joe Rogan had to Joe sit Rogan down on the had floor to sit next on the time. ground to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I go, this has got to be a first. You've hey. never sat on the ground next to the loser and be like, here, man, give me an interview while you're sitting here with your broken limbs. I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> he kicked his ankle through his ankle. You know what? <laughs> if I, this is Conor McGregor, right? I, I'm a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. Ah, Okay. Nice. Brought it in. Boom. Boom. What other news we got, man? When Chekhov saw the long winter, he saw a winter bleak and dark and bereft of hope. (laughs) Yet we know that winter is just another step in the cycle of life. But standing here amongst the people of Podcastville and basking in the warmth of their hearths and hearts, I couldn't imagine a better fate than a long and lustrous winter. Oh, and in other news, uh, Keith Lee did speak <laughs> out. Uh, <laughs> people <Wow>. were... Uh, <laughs> Nancy Lincoln. <laughs> Mrs. Walsh. Yeah, I know. I got it. <laughs> oh, Rita. Nancy. Whatever. Whatever. All right. People were tweeting at Keith Lee about the uh, anniversary of his championship win. And uh, this is the first that I've actually seen Keith Lee tweet. So it was interesting. But again, it provides no insight. Um, And Lee, uh, Keith Lee tweeted, "Uh, many of you are reminding me of this day a year ago. So much has happened since then. It feels so long ago. Patience, my friends, there is zero quit in me. So don't you quit on me. I miss you and I love you. 
Um, I hate to, to like reduce this, but this better pay off. Like he better just be like, listen, I'm back and we're not going to talk about what I was going through because it's my business. Fine. Then we'll leave it at that. But if he comes back and he was like, you know, I had a hangnail. You know what I mean? There's been so much suspense, and and we shouldn't hold anything. It's happened him. so much. Whatever, whatever it is, nobody should be holding anything against him. But you know, people are gonna be like, "Wait, bro, that's why you weren't here." So I don't know, man. I mean, but what if there is no tomorrow? I mean, there that's wasn't one the, today. <laughs> there you go. Listen, you know, people like blood sausage too. People are morons. Do you ever have deja vu? <laughs> Didn't you just ask me that? <laughs> I don't know. I could ask the kitchen if we have that. No, honestly, I have a feeling he's riding his contract out. I just have this weird feeling he's riding his contract out. Yeah, yeah. But what if it's something like his, like you know, going through a divorce with his ex-wife or trying to get custody of his kids or something like that? I don't even know if he has kids, uh, but I, you know, if it's something like that, then no, yeah, but he has, then I completely understand, and I'm going to shut my mouth, and I hope to see you back in the ring. You know, that's it. Fair enough. No, I'm with you on that. I yeah, we'll just hopefully see where it goes from there. What other news, bruh? Uh, well, I'm gonna let you. Like, I don't even really want to talk about this because I don't want to give this asshole the time of day. I mean, we certainly won't mention his name. Oh, I'm more talking about the responses. Yeah. The oh responses no, absolutely. are all I really care so, about. The, you know, you got to be careful, brother, because you work yourself into a shoot, and then you don't know you're shooting, and then you end up shooting yourself into a work and work yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, some douchebag. I don't even think that's even a part of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some douchebag jumped the barricade at an AEW show at Dynamite and tried to get in the ring, and Jericho popped him. And then it's the whole: is it a work? Is it a shoot? And then the guy came out and said he did it for Cornette and all. He I, actually, I don't think he said he did it for Cornette. I think he said something. But he was looking to of, get a rise out of him. We did it for the true wrestling fans like Cornette or some shit like that. And I heard Cornette's response on the podcast on the experience, and he basically was like, fuck this guy. We're not mentioning his name yeah. on the air. He can go eat a big fat dick. He's a dumbass. And he's lucky he got out without getting his face caved in. He's lucky it was Jericho. Because if it was Wardlow or Jake Hager or even MJF, that dude wouldn't have a face anymore. Oh, I was going to say Hager. He would have been touching the guy in the first row after hitting you in your mouth. You know what I mean? Like, he would have went right through you for sure. Um, the Twitter war is where I'm at. That's where I'm kind of laughing at all of this because it's just kind of fun for me. Um, it starts with, he, he's a motherfucking Mark, and he's a fat bastard apparently as opposed to his whatever accounts. Yeah. But he... Uh, what do you want to call it? Hashtags, Twitter, or uh, Cornette, what do you, tags him or whatever. I'm not, I'm not a fucking yeah, social media tweets guy, at whatever. Him. My musician, god damn it, I'm a weatherman, um, says, hey, Cornette and great Brian Lass. Is Brian the one that's on his show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. What did you guys think of my AEW debut? That's, I did this for all of us wrestling fans. Wrestling is no longer a safe space. Friends dance around and play dress-up. Reality can hit any time. Did they think it was going to be fucking playtime forever? Before Cornette even responds, Jericho responds first, saying, do you really think Cornette would condone this, you fucking loser? Jimmy would have shoved his tennis racket up your ass and smashed your car windows. Cornette's response, which is what I liked. Got news for you, dipshit. 
Wait, hey, should I do this in a cornet voice? Yeah, I'm gonna try that. <laughs> I got news for you, dipshit, motherfucker. This ring is sacred ground for you, ass motherfucker. I can't do it. It's too hard. I was I gonna say. <laughs> I'm losing it. Um, no, but this. Hey, I got news for you, dipshit. This ring is sacred ground for U.S. And even if, or even if you and a lot of others think you can kick the shit out of the young bucks, I would have turned you into tennis racket popsicles. And you're lucky someone there didn't gut you like a fish. And in Jim Cornette style, you're blocked. Yeah. Now. I thought it was going to be thank you, fuck you, bye. Now. Could have been done right there. A couple days later, one of wrestling's most iconic women of all time who might as well open her mouth, right? Hey, man, look at I'm a fan of Matt Hardy. And I'm a fan that his wife backs him up. But when it's not your conversation, not your topic, keep your fucking mouth shut. I am with Cornette on this portion right here for yep. sure. Actually, I'm on Cornette all this, all the whole goddamn way. But Rebby Hardy says... Leave it to Jim Cornette to inspire and empower this type of dumb fuckery. Uh, and she's writing in response to, obviously, the fan that's jumping in the ring. Cornette fires back with... <laughs> this is my favorite one. Not going to lie. This may be... This is like one of those... I lo- Good job, dude. Like, I know you've probably heard this said thousands of times in your life, but since it's called for again... Was anybody fucking talking to you? <laughs> Hang on. And then he says, uh, oh, no, that, that's where it ended right there. And then for on his end. But then Rebby follows up with, bitch, I never bothered addressing you before you used my name and picture in countless clickbait videos touting image imagery or imaginary beef for years while I ignored your ass. The fuck you going on about LMAO? Who is ever talking to you? Yet you never shut the fuck up. Hmm. Yeah, and it's not the first well, time. Well, I mean, he says... has been a part of the fucking business, Rebby. I'm gonna go ahead and say whether anybody wants his opinion or not. The fuck have you done to even say anything at all? To say that he would have empowered that? Do you really, 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 really think that Jim Cornette's like? I would love a fan to jump in the ring to prove that AEW is bullshit. He cares about the safety of the fucking wrestlers at the end of the day even if he hates kenny omega if kenny omega got hurt tomorrow he'd be the first one to probably be like look at man i was a prick talking shit about him but i really hope he's okay because you care about the safety of the guys in the business it's a brotherhood the fuck you know rebby that's all i want to say yeah and, and she's actually a liar because she's clapped back at him several times previously yeah i thought so too i go this isn't the first yeah. interaction and- and Cornette typically doesn't, like, go out of his way to just go after her. They'll usually be discussing something, and he'll give his opinion. And then, you know, it, it turns into this. So, yeah, no, I'm definitely with Cornette. And listen, the whole, you know, uh, mind your own business thing, I, I, I want to make this clear. I don't think that we insinuate this in any way. But it is the day of cancel culture, and you can't really cancel a show that nobody listens to, so we're not really in any trouble. But... This isn't because it's a woman. It's because it's Rebby mm-hmm. Hardy, who, next to playing the piano for Matt's entrance theme, doesn't really, not in the wrestling business, and this has nothing to do with her. Matt wasn't even she in that segment. just as much equivalence 
She has just as much of equivalence as Zach Gowan. Remember him? <laughs> One-legged Zach? Yeah. yeah. That's how much she's got fucking credibility. That's like Zach <laughs> popping up right now and having some shit to say to Cornette. You did a couple segments. Thank you very much. Here's your paycheck. Slap in the ass. Get on the way. Yeah. That's it. That I... It's really like us saying something to him. I'm not saying we're on the same level as Rabbi. I get it. You you did some shit. That's cool. You know, you, know, right. you tickle, tickle the ivories. Good hey, for you. you. Got cool. hit, hey, you got hit in the head with a, 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 you know, a cookie sheet by a midget wrestler. You're in the business. <laughs> Short of no <laughs> uh, chance of getting in the ring. <laughs> Little did I know how awesome that wrestling event was going to be that night. All right, man. Hey. Real quick, you want to run down uh, what happened this past week on NXT? I know I brought up a couple of these matches as to things you want to talk about, but let's in case you missed it, run down what happened on the card. Yeah, so MSK ended up uh, defending their titles against Ciampa and Thatcher, so that was interesting. Uh, it almost seems like they're going to go the route of, you know, they did the, these guys were feuding and now they're a tag team, and I think it feels like two weeks later they're going to break them up already, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, Karrion Cross and Johnny Gargano had a face-to-face. Uh, it looks like Samojo is going to be the special guest referee for their match coming up, uh, which I really don't want to see, uh, but that's fine. Um, I have a take on that. What's that? Karrion Cross is going to retain, even though Johnny is likely to be the one, the winner, because... Carrion is going to be going up to the main roster. Mm. They are going to make SummerSlam weekend huge. I think take over whatever happens around there. Mm. They tease saying Joe can't wrestle, right? Okay, well, he can enforce the next couple of months and make sure shit gets in order, but what if he earns the championship? I think Cross wins, but by some debauchery or some bullshit or something like that, we're going to get Joe versus Cross for that title. They are making it such a major thing. Since the moment Joe became the enforcer for several weeks now, it's him and Cross. That's where I would go with it. But I'm not playing WWE 2K. I'm also just, you know, a, a guy who would <laughs> I like just it. like I like tell it. you what I'd like to see. But that's where I would go with it. Just throwing that out there. Absolutely. I like it. Uh, so and- Johnny Gargano is going to win. Yeah, probably, <laughs> right. Uh, this uh, wasn't the match of the night, but it was damn close. Uh, L.A. Knight uh, defeated Cameron Grimes for the Million Dollar Championship. What a, that's a pretty fucking good match. Not bad. Um, who's Zoe Stark? Oh, do you mean uh, Ricky Starks? Okay, yeah, fair, fair enough. Then. Well, exactly. She's one half of the NXT Women's Tag Team Champs with Io Shirai. No idea who she is. They defeated the way. Uh, and Tegan Knox is back. Thank, uh, good for her, man. Good to see her back. Dressed like she's about to be in a Pearl Jam cover band. I know, right? I'm glad it wasn't just me. I saw that. I'm like, even flow. <laughs> Dude, no, it was good to see her back because I didn't know. I think she was, wasn't she an an iffy question of if she would ever come back, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, bro, that's like her third knee injury, like third big one in a row or some shit like that. Well, she came out. She came out wearing the Stone Cold Steve Austin brace. You know what I mean? That plastic one top to bottom. That's yeah. But hey, if she's back. I'm excited. Yep, and her the main her, event delivered. Yeah, well, her uh, Tegan X and Shotzi are now on SmackDown. I noticed that. I, yeah. I found that uh, her or Shotzi's up there. I'm like, that's exciting. All right, cool. That's hey, man. I think they're, I think they're trying to bulk up the women's division a little bit better on the 
the main roster because I I don't I want to shit on it, man, but I don't think Belair's delivered personally. Um, I'd rather see Bailey back as your champion. They're shitting whatever opportunity you ever have with Alexa, whatever the fuck's going on there. Oh, Shayna yeah. Baszler should be making every girl tap out left and right. Yet again, she was a vampire and then a sidekick to Nia Jax. Yeah, we need some fresh people up there. So I'm okay with them bringing up some women, I guess. But, hey, just keep your NXT 30-day contracts. Yeah, right, seriously. <laughs> but, yes, the main event. So now we're even at one apiece. Well, actually, no, it's 2-1 Cole now, isn't it? Nope, nope, nope. Right. This brings it to even. It does bring it to even. Okay, yeah, so. Yep. All right, well, we got to have our rubber match. I guess that's coming Survivor Series or on SummerSlam weekend. Yep, I think so, which is kind of exciting. I, I think it'll probably be something like a, man, see, I would do something like an Iron Man between them. Don't do like your typical cage or your typical strap. Give me something a little bit different. Two out of three falls, Adam Cole and Gargano was great. I wouldn't mind seeing Cole and uh, O'Reilly, but maybe a little something different. You know what I mean? But I, I yeah. want to – this match was a good classic wrestling match, completely opposite, of course, of their unsanctioned match, which technically then I guess Adam Cole's up one nothing because that was unsanctioned. It didn't count. Uh, well, I hope go. that's what he starts claiming. That That'd would be, be phenomenal. Oh, hey, it doesn't matter. You didn't win. <laughs> Um, hey, you know what? The good thing is, is that Cole, O'Reilly, they work well in the ring together. Not everybody always works well in the ring together. And this week, I have a feeling you have some things that you want to bring to the table. Just bring it, bitch! Oh, my God! Yeah, man. So, I, this is, listen, This bring it to the table is pretty much going to be this week in history or, you know, just ODM's history lesson because that's what it seems to be lately. But hey, I come across these random things and it's cool to bring up. It's cool to talk about and, you know, inform those who are not informed. So saw a little article and, uh, you know, it's weird because when you, it's one of those things that you'll hear different stories from different people. But this one's about Lex Luger and Bruiser Brody. At this time, uh, they were in Florida. They had a cage match. Uh, Bruiser Brody's a vet at this time. You know, and he already has a reputation for demanding respect. If you're disrespectful to him, he's just going to fuck you up in the ring. He's basically just going to no-sell and beat the shit out of you. And the people who appreciate him and respect him, he's a teddy bear. He's a sweetheart. He's one of the nicest people in the world. Lex Luger is green as shit. Lex Luger has no experience in the wrestling industry. He's a bodybuilder who got brought in. Now, I've heard a couple different stories. Uh, the one story that I heard was that Luger was shooting his mouth off in the locker room and it got back to Brody. Uh, another story that I've heard is that Luger went up to Brody and instead of Brody laying the match out in the ring, Luger's like, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want a hot dog, and I want a hamburger. And You'll get nothing like it. <laughs> That's basically, basically what, Brody... what DDP did to Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, this is what, uh, and, and that's what Bruce, Bruiser did in the ring. Uh, basically, Bruiser no-sold everything. Luger had no fucking clue what to do and just climbed out of the cage, ran to the back, got in his car, and left. So, you know, 
It lasts all of like seven or eight minutes. It's not long, but it, <laughs> the best part is it's in the cage. Like that's the funniest thing. Well, and they couldn't like, get the door open, so he had to climb out of the cage because he's like, yep. "Fuck this guy! I don't know what's going on." Fucking hilarious. He's lucky he didn't get his ass beat. Probably, yeah. I was gonna say he probably would have gotten hurt if he tried to be like, you know, manning up to Bruiser Brody. He would have gotten his ass kicked in seconds as a bodybuilder. I. Uh, I remember I I watched that a long time ago and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> run, Lex, run! <laughs> like get the fuck out of there. Uh, you know it, it's funny because again we try to bring up things that if uh, they're not just as recent in history or something you know that we could bring back up and maybe bring back to the table. And there's something I really think I brought this up in our defunct concepts for sure. But I just recently went back and watched the Unforgiven 2008 pay-per-view. The entire pay-per-view is outstanding because you have three championship scramble matches, each one lasting about 20 minutes. You had the ECW title, uh, title, WWE title, and the world title. And you also had an outstanding unsanctioned match between... Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho, who Chris Jericho incidentally comes back and wins the fucking title at the end of the night, who was never even supposed to be in the match because CM Punk got kicked in the head by Randy Orton. Yeah. I always love that part because earlier in the night, Manu, one of the, uh, he was a part of Legacy for like three minutes. He shows up and, and tries to help out Legacy. Ted DiBiase and uh, Cody Rose. And they go, this is Manu, son of uh, one of the Wild Samoans. I couldn't remember which one they said. And and they go, that is, don't you think that's impressive, Randy? And later on, that's when he knocks out Punk, uh, Punk gives him the punt to the head, turns around to Legacy, goes, now that, that was impressive. And I go, oh, God, I love that fucking moment. Killer Randy Orton, man. He wasn't even on, like, he wasn't uh, medically cleared even at that point. But he was still, it, it was the bald head psychotic legacy Randy Orton. But then, again, those championship matches, they were all outstanding. And they made, I mean, like I said, I brought it up in the concepts, man. Uh, Brian Kendrick was a champion for a couple of minutes, a WWE champion. Whether acknowledged or not, he was a world champion in the uh, his championship scramble. But it was a very cool concept because at least, at least, you, like I said, all right, do, all right, let's say you have five guys right now on SmackDown. And I'm going to go at random here, but I'm going to go with the names at least I can think of on SmackDown. You have a defending world champion in Roman Reigns taking on Cesaro, Seth Rollins, uh, Corbin and Shinsuke Nakamura. Corbin is your most unlikely to win the thing, but you let him win the championship for a couple of minutes, and it's like, oh, fuck, what if no one else pins anybody? Oh, my God. He's not going to have the title, is he? Someone pin him. It was an exciting match. Watching three in the same night was awesome. They got to bring that concept back, man. Whether tag team, mid-card, world title, I don't care. I think that was a concept that they did twice altogether. They did it that night, and I think they brought it back once or twice more, and that's it. Failed opportunity. That's it's a great crowd reaction type one. And you know, pandemic aside, just huge fan of Unforgiven 2008. So fire that up if you don't get the uh, chance to watch anything else decent wrestling this week. 
I would highly suggest that. And kudos to Chris Jericho. Takes a fucking beating from Michaels in that night. And then still goes on to be in the, the scramble match later on. It's outstanding. Oh, and Undertaker's in there, too, against Big Show. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. But you know what else there's a lot of stuff of? Something that happened 25 years ago. Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Wait a minute, Doc. Well, what are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? Will we become assholes or something? Give me a hell yeah. You're going to get me. Mick Foley is going to win their world title. Has been paid for by the New World Order. Come on, Vince. Step into the ring. My God, the Battle have been drawn! D-Generation X invades WCW tonight! Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Have a nice day! We got you! Last week, I'll be damned. After he shows up at the bash at the beach, Hogan doesn't appear after the pay-per-view at Nitro. So what happens this week? Is anything good going to happen? Well, what happened this week, ODM? What happened for what would be July 15th for Nitro and Raw? Well, I mean, here's the thing, man. That's the thing. I just said Hogan, right? Are you even excited about anything raw during this moment right now, or are you just really glued to Nitro? Oh, definitely more glued to Nitro. Yeah. We'll get there, though. We'll get there. Yeah. It's just outstanding work by by WCW. I don't care if it's stellar match after stellar match. Raw's producing two matches in bullshit segments most of the time. I'm like... I'm yep. like, let's just hurry up and get through Raw so I can get on to Nitro. That's how I've been doing it. And I'm like, no wonder they were doing so well back in the day. But, yeah, well, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Well, we'll go ahead. We'll start with Raw. Uh, so earlier in the night, there was a welcome committee for HBK and Ahmed. Uh, and they were confronted by Camp Cornette, uh, just furthering the feud that's coming up for International Incident. Uh, so we start with our first of two title matches. It's Bart Gunn versus Ahmed Johnson for the IC title. HBK is watching from the back. Um, Vince brings up that there's dialogue between WWF officials and the Ultimate Warriors attorney about his return. Not holding my breath on that one. Um, it's funny. I don't remember that back in the day watching it. I did not remember them being like that. There was, I remember them bringing up the, the, the monsoon part that we talked about, like yeah. he is indefinitely suspended. I remember that. I did not remember that they even kept going more and more once he's already gone. They're like, well, let's just fuck him even more. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the, it was an okay match. The only thing that I didn't like was Ahmed's arm was worked all match, and he sold it well until he made his comeback, and then he hit all his moves perfectly fine, which were all power moves. So, John okay. Cena. Yeah, yeah, no shit, right? All right, so after that, sweet baby Jesus, dear God, no. Mark Marrow with Sable taking on Teal Hopper. I swear to God, I thought it was the custodian coming in the ring to let everybody know the shitter was full. The goddamn plumber. Teal Hopper was a plumber. Came Uh. out as a plumber. 
Mark Marrow took on a plumber. He just was on an undefeated streak, lost two matches in a row this week. We're going to give you T.L. Hopper, our plumber here. Yeah. Okay. Um, toilet Thank God he won the match. His, his, <laughs> his music is toilet flushing. Literally, his music is toilet flushing. <laughs> Uh, we got a little aside from Austin. He's going to be facing Miro at international incident says he's going to get paid back for his busted lip, uh, uses. And that's the bottom line. So that's starting to get pushed more. It's obviously getting a foothold. Um, this should have been a squash. It was like a 10 minute competitive match that Hopper had advantage most of the time. So way to book Miro, I guess. Still haven't seen that many Austin 316 signs. Me neither. Yeah. Bruce. Well, it's WWF history, right? Writes itself. We go to the back of Camp Cornette. Uh, audio shitty. They've been talking about how they've been having technical difficulties with the audio. It was hard to tell if that was a shoot or a work, but sounds like it was a, a shoot because the, the audio is shitty. Uh, Bulldog has a fanny pack on. Owen looks like he got done playing golf, and Vader looks like he's been in the sauna for two hours. So there's so that. All in all, everything's well in Camp Cornette. Yeah, <laughs> everything's motherfucker. Motherfucker. Um, after that, we got a... Let me ask under- you a question. Is it yeah. too early for flapjacks? <laughs> <laughs> you want to throw up here or you want to throw up in the car? You, yeah, right. Listen, this, is, <laughs> this is the one time a podcast really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. Um, after that, we had uh, an Undertaker package, but it was like a music video. It actually came up with the credits, and it was like, The Undertaker Music by Jim Johnson, produced by WWE. Uh, it was weird. Like it seemed They were trying to, to make an MTV music video yeah, out of yeah. Undertaker. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, all right, so <laughs> then we get our main event. We get Billy Gunn with Sonny uh, against HBK with Jose Lothario for the WWF title. Uh, starting off on a somber note, talking about Matt Hart, Brett's nephew, I think, passing away at the age of 13 from some disorder. Uh, very sad. Um, so Sonny's on the apron at one point, and HBK kisses her twice, uh, allowing Billy Gunn to kind of get the advantage for a second. Uh, but HBK gets it back real quick. They end up on the outside. HBK literally trying to play grab ass with Sonny. Uh, that was kind of weird. Um at one point, I don't know what they were talking about, but Vince goes, sex? What does sex have to do with the WWF championship? I don't know, Vince, and I don't want well, to Well, I don't know. Uh, you just spent two months saying that the guy was basically a fucking rapist, so you tell me what your championship has to do with sex, <laughs> Actually, good point. You literally point. just said that he was fondling women and all this shit, and, all, <laughs> it, and now, what does sex have to do with it? I don't know. Everything. I thought Sonny was the next contender. The way this is all looking right here, right. looks like looks like Sean was having some sunny days in this moment. But oh, I will absolutely. say, man, it was it was uh, Sean versus Billy Gunn. Man, you got Future DX versus Future DX. Yeah, seriously, uh, it was a decent match. Sonny was a bit over the top. I'm sure there's a pun there somewhere. Um, we find out that Lothario, Jose Lothario and Jim Cornette are going to take on each other at Free for All, the pre-show for International Incident. So. Fuck Damn him. shame. I would have put that on the fucking main show. That sounds like I, that would be the one I would pay for. I wouldn't pay for that six-man match that you're about to put on right now. If you told me Cornette and Lothario were going to be fighting, on pay-per-view. <laughs> I swear to God, the match between, I think it was, uh, 
who was it? It was Eric Bischoff and Larry Zabisco as Starcade 97. Oh. You knew it was going to be a stupid shit show, but you're like, ah, that's the first time Eric's getting in the ring. I got to watch that. That sounds great. He's a black belt. To me, this sounds absolutely awesome. You're only going to put it on the free on the free for all. Eh, either way, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, HBK wins. There's no big surprise there. Very predictable ending in every way possible. It oh, was yeah. like 100% cookie cutter, Shawn Michaels versus bad guy. It was basically him versus Leaf Cassidy. It was him versus everybody we've seen yeah. so far. Yeah. Everybody's match versus Shawn on Raw, since we've started doing this, has been pretty much a cookie cutter match. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Probably because it's easy for him to remember. Uh, they, they do a little aside to the back where they're showing Camp Cornette leaving and Cornette stays behind and he's, you know, you know, they're hamming it up, you know, something's up. Uh, so basically, you know, HB or Ahmed Johnson's waiting for HBK to come back, uh, they slap each other up and Cornette comes in with like a glass of pop or something, throws it in Michael's face. Naturally, Ahmed Johnson and Shawn Michaels chase him out to the parking lot where Camp Cornette's waiting and they assault him. And then like a fucking bat out of hell, a Lincoln Tarn town car comes crashing through, literally crashes into something, and Psycho Sid comes fucking flying out and the heels get chased off. Jesus Christ, dude. You know that motherfucker didn't exercise any caution when he drove that car, and I know it's a work and it's supposed to look that way, but I can almost goddamn guarantee you that he put some oomph on it. No, 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 no. It was supposed to be a work. <laughs> a work is something that happens. Oh, did I say that backwards? <laughs> no, shoot. I know. Yeah, it was that. Well, yeah, no, I, I meant said. more yeah. of like a work is a plan happened. I don't think Sid planned on coming in that hot. And if he did, I don't think WWE <laughs> planned on him coming in that hot because it was like he just came. And I go, oh, someone's <laughs> I, dying. I jumped. <laughs> it was pretty fast. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> God damn, they're going all reservoir dogs on this shit here. So, all right. But so it was the most excitement in that show, honestly. I mean, there was really nothing So, yes, else. they did go off the air with excitement. For the first time, they've at least left it with a little bit of a, yeah. a bang note, pun intended. Yep. All right. How'd Nitro do? Uh, a little bit better. So, obviously, you know, it's, they're going to start with the hot shit, right? It's the Outsiders and Hogan and the New World Order. Uh, Zabisco basically asks, uh, who, who are they going to recruit? So they're already planting those seeds that, you know, this is going to be something where it's going to be like a takeover. Uh, we start off Fire and Ice versus the Signer Brothers. Uh, we find out that Sting, Flair, Macho Man, and Giant are not at Nitro tonight. Luger is, so he's basically on his own. Um, <laughs> they're talking down Hogan, and they're saying, well, maybe Hogan needs to go back and watch the movie he was in, The Nanny, because it's going to be on TBS coming up. <laughs> Mr. Nanny, they, they, they start talking shit. Well, it's coming up this week, so maybe you should watch that. They start talking about Mr. Nanny. I go, are you kidding me? Who has it has Sherman Helmsley in it, which is probably the most saving grace of that movie, to be honest with you. We um, remember Jefferson's. But he, oh, my God, it was, I loved it that they mocked that. Um but I don't know what was more of a mockery, making fun of that movie or the German suplex pin that ended this match. Okay, there's a couple things Both? I want to talk about. Yeah, there's a couple things I want to talk about here. Uh, <laughs> as a little aside, uh, Teddy Long comes out and he's observing the match. Nobody knows why, and it ultimately really isn't that important. Uh, before the German You know suplex, why? Because it was a tag team match. Holla, holla, <laughs> holla. <laughs> I think we're not there yet, but yes. That's exactly <laughs> that. Um, 
So before the, the finish, there was an overhead suplex by Rick and dropped Ice Train right on his goddamn head. It was fucking <laughs> horrible. Uh, Rick did uh, do an, a mid-air power slam on Norton. Like, Norton wants to do, like, a cross body, and Rick caught him and flipped him. It looked sketch, but it looked good at the same time. Uh, Ice Train accidentally splashes Jim Norton. Jim Norton. Jesus Christ, I'm thinking of comedy here. Scott Norton. Uh, <laughs> and then, yes, the botched German soup. I've, dude, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Every Steiner Brothers match we watch, it's a fucking botch fest. It was horrible. It, and the thing is... It's funny because I'm like, this is what you get when you get four guys doing steroids all at once, <laughs> all trying to lift each other up, and no one's moving their body the right way. They need to be inflexible and shit. Well, when he hit the move, Ice Train sold it. But as soon as the three count was up, Ice Train immediately got up and went over to Scott Norton. Like, I don't... Yep. It, it was just... It was fucking terrible. Uh, so we'll just go on to the right next to the next segment, which obviously he was like, I'm not going to live by their rules anymore. (laughs) This is pitiful. A thousand people freezing their butts off, waiting to worship a botch. (laughs) What a hype. Botches used to mean something in this town. Used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it. You're hypocrites. (laughs) All you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So it's we go to a Mean doozy. Gene. Sorry. <laughs> it was a doozy. Uh, mean Gene with Taskmaster, Big Bubba, and Jimmy Hart. Uh, they cut a promo on Hogan. Jimmy Hart says he has a plan. Uh, during that, you see Fire and Ice arguing on the way to the back. Faces of Fear come out. Haku makes a lot of noises. Uh, it was all over the place, not very focused. Uh, Glacier. Well, I will say that oh. uh, Bubba did lose his blue oyster hat. <laughs> well, he did for a second. Uh, well, at least that interview. Yeah, exactly. That interview. Uh, Glacier, still getting hyped. Hope it works. Ho- ho- eh, hope it lives up to the hype. At, at the uh, bottom, it said Glacier. At some point. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Actually, that should be our next thumbnail. Okay. Uh, <laughs> consider it done. It'll take me five minutes. <laughs> Just remind me. <laughs> Uh, this time, Mean Jeans with Fire and Ice, and goddamn, oh, this was just a, abysmal. Uh, Norton's talking down Ice Train, and it, they're making it seem like Train's gonna Ice Train's going to turn face of the two. That's what they're making it look like. Teddy Long comes in and doesn't want them to break up. Norton just shoves him to the ground, and they basically have broken up or going to break up. I, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, uh, next match we've got. It seemed like it was an official breakup right there. Oh, I think they God. were like uh, kind of threatening each other. Like, do you want to meet in the ring? And then kind of, yeah, like, yeah it's, it's, it was just so, it's over, which sucks. Yeah. Never really lived up to his potential, but so be it. Uh, Billy Kidman versus Dean Malenko. God damn. Do you remember? This is the second Billy Kidman match we've seen during this run, but still with those tights and the short hair. Oh my God. It looks like Ralph Macchio. It looks like a kid. Machio, oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah, that's what he looks like. Um, Malenko comes out, and it looks like Jimmy Hart's trying to recruit him into the dungeon. That's what I gathered from it. Um, Malenko offers the handshake, you know, the heelish move. Oh, come on, let's shake hands before the match. Dude, and gave Kidman a nasty lariat. Um, There was a botch in this match. It was like an electric chair into like a Rana sunset spot. It just did not go well. Uh, And if I'm mistaken or not mistaken, uh, the ref uh, got the worst shirt out of all the referee shirts and was sweating his ass off. 
Did you have that in your notes? <laughs> no, but I <laughs> okay. remember seeing it, though. I think he wore someone else's. He couldn't find it, his, and he's like, well, I just got done wearing this in the ring. Cool. Oh, I'll add God, to it. God, it was awful. <laughs> okay. Uh, ta- God awful. Of, uh, I would say the next, this next interview is what was God yeah, awful. It, it was awful. Uh, Kevin Green, uh, he's hype, bro. Uh, he's upset about Hollywood Hogan. He grew up a Hulkamaniac. He's looking for Mongo. He wants to finish it tonight. His flight leaves in two hours, but he wants to finish it in the ring right now. Uh, hopefully that's the last we hear from him. But you know how these things work out. Um, he used to, you know, eat the vitamins and say the prayers. That's, yeah, he, yeah, that's yeah, what that's, he was that's saying. That's the thing. That's the thing. And be racist uh, and brag about the size of your dick. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, Harlem Heat with Sherry and Colonel Parker versus Rough and Ready with Colonel Parker. Okay, he's in both team. He's in both yeah, teams. Corners. Which I have, I have Mike Enos. Enos and a question mark. I don't know who his partner was. Dirty Dick Slater. They never re- was that okay. Yeah. All right, didn't look like him. Yeah, I think he's put on a little weight, at- more weight. Oh, okay. All right. Not yeah, a bad Mike- match. It was all right. Which is hilarious because remember the Mauler debut. He de- Mike Enos de- debuted as the Mauler, and that's when Hall showed up the first time. Now they've just yep. ditched the Mauler. They're just calling him Mike Enos the whole time. It's fucking hilarious. Um, Sherry looked different. Was she wearing like less makeup or she looked different? I don't, I don't, I don't know, know, man. Yeah, it was just weird. I it, may have to go back and look. Maybe uh I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it was weird. Um She looked alright to me. I just I was excited to see Sherry. Yeah, yeah, no, no shit. Yeah, we haven't seen her I don't think since we've started. Uh Sherry's John with Parker wants wants him to stay in their corner in Harlem Heat's corner. Um Booker went for that sidekick that he does that always looks great. He jumped so high, he went right <laughs> over Enos's head. He completely Didn't cleared duck. him, bro. That dude did not duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was he was standing up straight. He just cleared him, and he still took the bump, but, man, it was fucking obvious as day. Um, Parker caused a distraction, a distraction. Sherry ends up kissing Dirty Dick Slater and gets rolled up. It was painful. This match was painful. There was a lot of painful things in this. Show yeah, the, the, this looking at my notes. Uh, this this was not the greatest uh, Nitro, but uh, there, there's some good stuff, and we'll get there. Um, they do a Rey Mysterio package. Uh, it's not a good one to watch when you're hungover. Um, <laughs> mean Gene is back with Kevin Green again. <laughs> Um, and Kevin Green decides the re- the way to really drive home the point that he wants to fight Mongo now is to take off his shirt and then immediately say, okay, well, I've got training camp like on Thursday, so I can't fight until after the season's over. Bye. <laughs> do, you, do you like these pecs? Do you like these nipples? No? See you in February. That's basically what that promo was. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, next we First have, uh, women's match we've had in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Medusa verse, and I don't know. They said I don't even Maluha Asuka. Maluha Asuka. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Medusa one with a German suplex pin. That's all that I wrote. So, okay. Uh, we're heading into hour two. Bischoff gets notified that the outsiders are there, and you see on the roof of the little entranceway to the MGM Studios, uh, they have the WCW letters, and Hall and Nash are covering them with 
like white just sheets that they spray painted NWO. So that's like their first official yep. stamp. Very cool to see. Good good pictures too. Simple. Just yep. simple. I liked yep. it. Absolutely. It was just just hanging some painted sheets of NWO over it. I thought it was just I was like, oh, I I remember this. That's cool. Yep. Uh after that the first match of the second hour is Mang versus Double A, which honestly was a pretty solid match. Uh, the fireworks were going off at Disney at this time, so it sounded like the 4th of July. Uh, they show Hall and Nash just hanging out. There's a cooler there. Uh, I don't know what Nash is drinking, but... Uh, so, basically, Mang controlled most of this match. Uh, Hart causes a distraction. Barbarian interferes. Mang gets the pin. Uh, and then when... So, now the Dungeon of Doom have a win over the Horsemen. They, they kind of drove that point home, because that's kind of been the big faction fight obviously, until we start getting deeper into the NWO stuff. Uh, at this point, as they cut to commercial, they show the roof, and you can see that the Outsiders are no longer on there. So we come back, and it's your boy, Pepe. He's back with Mongo and Deborah. Uh, Green's on the way to his airport, and now Mongo mysteriously says, oh, yeah, I'm ready to sign a contract for the fight. Um, uh, this is what I wrote. I wrote two things that are important here. One, probably the most important, don't let Deborah talk, please. Oh. Uh, and then going away as she's trying to make fun of the Panthers, uh, I think she was going for farm team, and she said farm boys. And Mean Jean literally laughed out loud and said farm boys? Yes. <laughs> so That's funny. I have two things written. I have... Deborah is annoying. Mongo does a puss bag interview. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're on the same page. Good shit. <laughs> oh, what's really good shit is the next match because it's not the first time Hell we've yes. seen it. It's not the last time we're going to see it, and I ain't even mad. Uh, it's Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero, and right at the beginning, Heenan's like, this is going to be a great match. Um. Benoit before the bell. Well, I think the bell's rung, but right before they start, Benoit tells the ref to check Eddie's tights. And Benoit just jump starts it. Um, it's at this point that Bischoff realizes the outsiders are no longer on the roof. Um, during the match, Malenko runs out and posts Benoit. Uh, they have a cruiserweight tight. Well, no, they're not a cruiserweight. They have a, they have a match coming up soon. And um, Eddie's able to get back into the ring and, Barely beat the count. He wins by count out. So uh, the finish wasn't great, but still watching these two go together, fantastic. Benoit did a huge power bomb to Eddie. It yes. was like the mics in the WCW ring. I used to love. They they mm-hmm. sounded like actual, just straight wood as opposed to just hitting mat. You're hitting wood, and it was a hard hit. Um, yeah, it was a it was great match. I love the whole thing. And then uh, after that, we got Heenan and Eric Bischoff talking about. Hog Wild is going to be coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah, they were pushing that hole, going to be in Sturgis, and Shivani's going to ride his bike up there. Oh, Heenan, you should ride your, you should ride a bike up there too. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> fucking great. Um, we got uh, another Glacier promo. Got another promo. promo. Yeah, another Glacier <laughs> promo. Uh, we come back to New World Order signs that it, uh, Hall and Ash put up are gone. Uh, we're getting Big Bubba versus Luger in the main event. Basically, uh, they, they mentioned it earlier in the night that Luger has still had a concussion. And an almost detached retina. Uh, and Bubba's hyping that up. Uh, they show the limo. The Outsiders are there. Hogan's not. Uh, let's see. Outsiders make their way hang in. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Look at man. I'm all for some kayfabe shit. 
No doctor in the entire world is going to let you get into any form of a ring if yeah. you have an almost detached retina. Yeah. Just want to throw that out there, man. You could have said almost detached dick, and I'd be like, all right, yeah, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> he doesn't need that to fight. He needs your eye, man. And one hit, you're done. It was yeah. a weird – it was odd to me. I just – I found that odd. But I will say – I and I wrote this here, and I want to say this specifically. I have been giving Bubba shit for week after week after week because of his – Hat, his gimmick, his. <laughs> but put on a great match, man. The dude was always yeah. uh, a solid worker in the ring. You don't really see bad matches from him. You know what I mean? Like he plays his part well. And and I just want to throw that out there. Him versus Lex, I go. It's actually better than I thought, and I go, because ah, you're in there with the boss man. I'm like, boss man's a good hand to be in the ring with. So I just want to throw that out to you, is that I may shit on him too much, but, you know, RIP Rachel. other. Okay. No, absolutely. Uh, he's no, I mean, He was in one of the best War Games matches. I forgot what uh, he was the masked dude. God, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Um, but, yeah, no, he's always been great in the ring. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I just lost it. <laughs> yeah, I, chicken nuggets, man. Uh, basically, uh, this was a weird timing thing uh, where as the outsiders are coming in to interfere, Hart throws an object into Big Bubba, Luger gets it, uses it, and knocks Bubba out. Uh, the ref sees it, and Luger's holding it like, what'd you throw in? What'd you throw in? And then the outsiders jump him. Um, I think, so basically the outsiders just jump Luger and throw him out of the ring. Hogan shows up. Hogan helps up Big Bubba because that's another great throwback. And people are probably thinking, oh, these two have a history. And he offers him a handshake. Bubba accepts. And then gangster man Hogan just does the fucking the fucking gladiator thing where he's like this. And yep. boom, they just fucking jump Bubba and throw his ass out of the ring. Um, they teased him being the fourth man for yeah. a good 10 seconds. And it looked good. I, I was like, oh, uh, can we talk about the fact that... Hulk Hogan has come out right now in all black, first time ever. Not no, not first and... time ever. Not first time ever. He wore oh, black on, back wait, wait, wait. late '95 when he started with Giant. With the you're giant. right. Hang yep. on. But I mean, what I wrote is first time ever. My apologies. The dude is in all black and also no mustache. He is completely oh yeah, just blonde hair, no mustache, no beard, nothing at all. I was like. God, that's weird to look at. I'm like, when is he going to start having the black stubble on his face? It was just it's weird to look at. Uh, and then they do a promo with Mean Gene because, you know, we had a match. Of course, Mean Gene's got to get in the ring and might as well be with the NWO. And, you know, he's hamming up being a giant douche. Hogan, oh, yeah. That's what I wrote. He's hamming up being a giant douchebag. Um, and they're saying that, you know, at this point right now, they are the three most badass dudes here, and they're going to take over. It, but they also write it. They, or I'm sorry, I wrote they drop hints that it can be guys who are already in WCW because obviously these guys who are here right now, the two of them were from up north, as they keep saying, right? But Hogan, he built that company anyway, so it could be from there. It could be from right here in WCW. So now they're starting to put a wedge or dissension in the WCW roster. I love this line right here, man. Where pro wrestling goes, Hogan goes. Just thought that was a great line. I just I thought that was good. <laughs> but he challenges the giant 
for the world title at Hog Wild. Yeah, man. It's going to be a doozy. And he even says uh, we're going to rechristen the WCW championship the NWO championship. Yep, already laying that down. We're getting there, man. It's getting exciting. Uh, It's heating up. Now I'm like, when are we going to start bringing in more members? Now I actually cannot remember when members start coming in, so it's going to be fun each week until it's like 400 of them. I don't think it's going to be because Hogwild's what, in a week or two? I think so two weeks I don't away. Think, I don't think we get the fourth member until mid-August, late August. Do you remember who the first one is? I do. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. And I know the context, too, because the context is important. I do not remember the context. Yeah, we'll talk about it offline. <laughs> did you see... You know what, did though? You see, what, no, what? what? What did you during see? The, during, this, see. <laughs> during this interview... Trash starts coming into the ring again, but since they're in Disney, they've got the people on the floor, and you see this little kid throw a bottle, and it goes like a foot, doesn't even make the ring. I'm talking (laughs) little kid. I'm talking like six, seven, but then he starts going digging underneath the chair to find more shit to throw. Like him and his brother just fucking just keep digging around to find trash to throw in the ring. Yeah, that's some scary shit to even be involved in. You know what I mean? Like just got to worry every time you are in the ring, or at least Hogan, Nash, and Hall at this point, that they're going to get pelted with something. Yeah, poor right. Mean Gene. And Mean Gene, too. Poor little Mean Gene. <laughs> poor, he made poor Mean Gene cry. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for... order and final decisions are a completely bias-based order based off the professor and odm made it and as always they like to let you know they have not worked in the business but have been lifelong invested fans much like you our listeners with not only their opinions involved but with countless amount of hours of research done each week they make sure to provide proper facts and history to back it up however they do know that your opinion may vary from theirs if there is anything you want to chat about bring to their attention if there is something they missed or forgot or you just want to let them know they are out of their freaking minds Feel free to shoot them a message on Facebook or Twitter or email them at thetopofwrestling at gmail.com. As always, they do appreciate all feedback and continued support. At the end of the day, they want to make sure that you do see the best of the best before you die. And now, this week's top topic. Professor! Hey, Professor! 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 Mark Fantasia, I thought that was you. Oh, hey. Thanks for listening. Fan of the podcast? Hey, hey, now don't tell me you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Nope, not a chance. Joe! Rizzo! ODM Joe? Joe the Head? Come on, buddy. Case Western High? Joe Rizzo, I did the whistling belly button trick at high school talent show. Bing! Joe Rizzo, got the shingles real bad senior year, almost didn't graduate. 
Bing again. Joe Rizzo, I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times till you told me not to anymore. Well, Joe Rizzo. Bing. Oh my God! I dated your sister. You told you told me not to anymore. <laughs> Could you imagine walking I up to someone in a bar? For so hey, man, long. you remember me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, well, the best thing you know is it's a doozy of the Top of Wrestling Podcast. Top topic of the week. Last week, you heard us complain that WWE decided to think they knew what the best Top 50 tag teams were of all time. Now, I'll give them credit. Maybe they were only working on just WWE talent. But, however, they still got that wrong. So, ladies and gentlemen, the top 100 tag teams of wrestling. I hate you. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, here's the deal, you guys. I know I said it was going to be the top 50 tag teams. It really is. Kind of. But without your top 50, no, let me take that back. Without your bottom 50, you wouldn't have your top 50, if you know what I mean. There's a lot of tag teams I was like could very easily sometimes maybe even make the top 50 if if we talked about them enough me you know what yeah throw them in the top 50 somewhere however not everyone's gonna make it there so we're gonna blow by the first 50 but you know their names in order i think is what the importance they are to tag team and i'm not just talking wwe we are talking the top 100 tag teams of all time it's a freaking audio show uh joe you want to be the you want to be our counter yeah i'm gonna dispute you right from the top because i don't see the gangsters in here anywhere so you already fucked up Hmm. ready 101 the gangsters you know what hang on all right there we go honorable mention is the gangsters which is new jack and um was it uh mufasa ali right mufasa ali and they had d-lo as their kind of enforcer that's the honorable mention all right you're gonna be really mad when you hear 100 oh i'm already looking <clears> at it all right so number 100 let's start it up let's let's get the the, the ticker going are you ready 100 go los conquistadors number 99 the bushwhackers number 98 lance cade and trevor murdoch who Number 97. <laughs> the Black Jacks. Number 96. Aiden English. Simon Gotch. The Vaude Villains. Bro, Dusty's my mentor. Number <laughs> 95. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. That was absolutely awesome. <laughs> Uh, he's my mentor. All right. Hey, <laughs> <a> mentor. <laughs> it's mentor. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, what number were we at? Number 95. Fire and Ice. Just talked about them. Number 94. Exactly. Team Hell No, who was like in the top 10, I think, of WWE, or at least like the top 20. 
But Team Hell No, which is Daniel Bryan and Kane. Number 93. The Fabulous Rougeau Brothers. Number 92. The Islanders. Haku and Tonga Kid. That's right. The man from our favorite movie, Body Slam, which is why we shape our movies and wrestling together. I honestly would have had them a lot higher. Just saying. Okay. Short-lived team. That's the problem. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I can get down with that. Number 91. How about you make your own goddamn list? I'm sorry. Wow, we're only in the 90s. Let's not argue this early. Go ahead. <laughs> 91. Money. Money. Yeah, yeah. JTG and Shad, crime time. Bam. Number 90. Second City Saints, Cole Cabana and CM Punk. There you go. Number 89. The U.S. Express, which was Barry Windham and uh, Mike Rotunda. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of my uh, often forgot about tag teams from back in the day. Number 88. The Young Stallions. Number 87. The Basham Brothers. Number 86. Well, don't you go messing with the country, boy. The Godwins. Henry Slop. O. Phineas I. <laughs> yeah. Midian. Slop Buckets and Sonny. And Baby Goats. <laughs> don't ask. Number 85. Let me ask you, do you think rightfully so? Where they're at? I mean, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, I'm looking at 75. Okay. I, I would have had those flip-flopped at least. Fair enough, but one was a real tag team. The other one only came together every now and then. And what we're talking about yeah. is at number 85, Undertaker and Kane, the Brothers of Destruction. While they're a tag team, yeah, they held the WCW tag team gold. I think maybe WWE tag team gold maybe once together, but... Overall, yeah. they just came together when they needed to fight off some people. It's no different than Kane and Daniel Bryan in my eyes. Tag teams are tag teams. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm a mark. Sometimes just you like... win, you actually lose. And sometimes when you lose... Oh, wait, wrong movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, Move we, on. We, yeah, Move we, on. we did that one already. <laughs> well, I'm a mark for The Undertaker, just like you're a mark for the next one. So number 84. Steen Erico, which is basically Kevin Steen and El Generico. Or, as we've seen for a little bit in WWE, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Number 83. Trent Seven. Tyler, Tyler Bate. La da 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 da. Mustache Mountain. Number 82. This is Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta with Rapongi Vice from New Japan. Number 81. The Wyatt family, specifically. Harper and Rowan. A.K.A. the Bludgeon Brothers. Oh, wait, no, let's forget that. About too. That too. Yes, you're right. I, I did forget. Well, but you know what? The Bludgeon <laughs> Brothers actually won tag team gold, so I'll give them that. Oh, that's yeah, that's, fair. That's true. Fair enough. All right. Number 80. Tito Santana, Rick Martel, Strike Force. Yeah, another one that goes under the radar. Number, just like number 79. The Quebecers, Pierre and. Jacques Rougeau, who we mentioned in the Rougeau brothers. And it's funny, I was trying to keep guys. I'm like, if you're in one team, you're not allowed to be in another. But I'm like, God damn it. Some of these guys have been like three or four and very solid teams. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but Quebecers really was, they really were the 
probably the best heel team you had in 1994, 93, 94, in that era in, in WWF. I don't think anybody else probably got more booze as a team. Well, maybe number 78 did, but a different type of heat. Guys. <laughs> Primo and Epico, the Colognes. We've seen them as Los Matadors. We've seen them as just the Colognes. We've seen them in every way possible, um, but seeing Primo and Epico together, they are both great wrestlers, great hands in the ring, they and they've stayed pretty true to the tag team division. Absolutely. Number 77. <laughs> this is the one that I think uh, – Maybe getting a little flack from some people, but hey, it's just what I feel because tag teams were not a thing in their time, really, in their division. And that is the Shield. So we're talking Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins specifically as the tag team because that is mainly who your tag team champions were. Um, when Roman, let me take it back, when, when Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose won the tag team titles, I don't think it was presented as The Shield won the titles. It was Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, and I could be wrong on that. But your main original tag team was Reigns and Rollins as your tag team champions as Ambrose was the U.S. champion in their original run. Problem is, they were facing the likes of Team Hell No and just put together teams. There weren't real. Maybe they took on like primetime players. They did have the Usos a couple of times, but for the most part, Shield, I don't think, really had a whole lot in the tag team contributions sorry if you don't like that if you don't like that let us know or let me know because i odm i i I can't really vouch for this or he can't really vouch for this (laughs) as the ticker continues i yeah number 76 you got words go ahead no, yeah, no, 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 we're good. I don't think there's much to talk about i i think you summarized it pretty well they're more of a stable less of a tag team okay thank you Number 76. Eddie and Chavo, Los Guerreros. That's the original version of we lie, we cheat, we steal. That's before that it was ever Eddie's song. That was their thing. And they made SmackDown fun as a tag team. Love Los Guerreros. Oh, yeah. Number 75. The Headbangers, Mosh and Thrasher. Number 74. Alex Shelley, Kushida, the Time Splitters. Great tag team in New Japan. If you haven't watched them as a team, they're they were fluent together. Great moves. Number 73. Kane and the Big Show. Sounds like an odd pairing, and you're like, really? They made this, but multi-time uh, multi-time tag team champions together, and they kind of dominated a good chunk of a year or two in tag team division as kind of a powerhouse group. It's kind of a big fan of them. Again, my list. Go ahead. <laughs> Number 72. Los Ingonabros. Los I don't know. Evil and Sonata, man. Those guys from LIJ. I can't <laughs> L-I-J. say that fucking word, man. <laughs> Los Ingobernables. There we go. Evil Sonata. Number 71. They're not bad. They're the good brothers. Nerds! Nerds! Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows. (laughs) Sorry. The Eliminators, Cronus and Saturn from ECW. Cronus, yeah. Number... (laughs) Uh, 
Hmm. Did you number this one on purpose, or was it just coincidence? I swear to God, as I look at this right now, <laughs> as soon as you giggled, I go, what's he giggling at? I go, ha, it number is 69, 69 in the name of the team. The Nasty Boys. <laughs> <laughs> you Nasty Boy. I was not on... T- Dude, it could have been any team, man. It could have been the next one, which is weird, and it wasn't. The next team at 68 is Nick Bockwinkle and Ray Stevens. Could have very easily been that, but nope. 69 belongs to some nasty boys. Number 60. Where did, did you do 68? You did 68. 67. I did 68. I did 69. I did 71, where it's two fingers. And 67 okay, is dice. the head shrinkers. Number 66. We're off the rails. (laughs) Former tag team champions just recently while watching on WCW Sting and Lex Luger. Number 65. The High Flyers, Greg Gagne and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. Number 64. He's not a shark. He's not a man, but he is an earthquake. Earthquake and typhoon, the natural disasters. Number 63. You can call them War Machine. You can call them War Raiders. You can call them anything you want, but it's Rowan, or Row and Hansen, War Machine, originally of Ring of Honor, now in WWE after a great run in NXT to mediocrity, now in WWE again. Beautiful. There you go. Number 62. Proud and powerful Santana and Ortiz. Because you know why? They're the best, the best, the best, the best. I love how I the best sold you on Ortiz. <laughs> you have. I'm a huge mark for him. If Dynamite doesn't have Ortiz, I ain't watch him. <laughs> 61. Danny Birch and One Larkin. Uh, no, 61 oh, Lucha oh, Brothers. Oh, 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 oh. You know what, though? I actually switched it really what it is, though, what I said. Danny uh, Birch and Oni Lorcan are at 61, and at 60 is Penta and Phoenix, the Lucha Brothers. All right, then. I Number really think that should have been switched already. Yeah. I'm down with that, though. That's a, that's a solid change right there. All right. 59. RVD and Sabu. That's a good one. 58. Yeah. The Killer Bees. 57. Mr. Fuji and Pat Tanaka. Number 56. A team I absolutely loved when they first came into WWF in the, I'd say, like late 96-ish area. And that is Doug Furness and Philip LaFon. Number 55. Now we're going to go all the way back to some All Japan Wrestling, and we have... Your man you talked about just a little bit ago, Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen. Number 54. I mean, it's a team we're already, or we're going to probably be seeing team up pretty soon, a little more often now that we're watching the Monday Night Wars. Owen Hart and British Bulldog. Number 53. Here comes the axe. Here comes the smasher. Axe and smash, man. Demolition. Number 52. Why buy it online when you can do it yourself? Sorry. DIY, Tommaso Ciampa, and Johnny Gargano. I mean, come on. They're, God, I loved the the two out of three falls match. It's probably one of my favorite tag team matches. Oh, hell yeah. Just to see some heroes win, man. It was a great match. And closing out, 
number 51 in our top 50 here we are talking or the bottom 50 we are talking money inc ted dibiase and Irwin r shyster irs all right now do you want to get down to business let me ask you what do you think about that to- that first half do you think everybody's kind of rightfully where they are it, it, it's hard because it's easy to get emotional about stuff like demolition right i mean i remember demolition from back in the day um are you gonna cry but really they were pretty short-lived they no, really it, that's kind of one of my things. But they also weren't, like, the best of workers, to be honest. The more I go back and watch some old-school demolition, I'm like, sure. headlock, headlock, axe handle, tag, axe handle, leg drop. You know what I mean? They were kind of basic. Yeah. But, like, your other teams that we're going to talk about here, they were fluent with each other. They knew when to tag and do double-team moves. They knew. I just – do you want to keep being the counter? <laughs> it uh, is. If it it's my list, through. and I'll do what I want with it. <laughs> I want a hot dog, and I want a top ten. Uh, Actually, I just want three cheeseburgers, some fries, a Coke, and some flapjacks. <laughs> if it's not too early. Flapjacks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't hit your sister. Don't do this. <laughs> Oh, and don't ready? drive on the tracks. We're we gonna do the counter. I, I, I kind of agree with that last one. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's gonna swerve. <laughs> Number fifty. <laughs> the lag is the all real. night express. It is real. Hey, the all night express. Rhett Titus and Kenny King. They dominate a lot of Ring of Honor tag team wrestling more than people kind of give them credit for, and they did it for several years and still uh, are doing it today, which, you know, great great team. Number 49. We talk about them pretty often. Brian yep. Pillman, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Hollywood Blondes. Number 48. One of these guys just newly became a tag team champion in Ring of Honor this past weekend. That is Homicide. But in this team, he's with Hernandez, the original LAX, Latin American Exchange from Impact. Number 47. This is from the Dangerous Alliance, and that is the Enforcers. That's Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco. And, of course, we are doing our living legend Larry Zabisco hand wave from our eyebrows to the air. <laughs> uh, I did that four. to the cashier the other day. She was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good way to <laughs> – never mind. I got uh, <laughs> Thank you for my change, <laughs> madame. <laughs> and that's the story of how I got kicked out of Walgreens. Number four. This guy's drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Number 46. Chad Gable. That's what I said. Jason. (laughs) I know, dude. My dogs are barking. It is uh, Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, American Alpha. Without some of the teams we're going to talk about a little bit later on, you needed, you really needed American Alpha. I think they shaped the tag. Team oh, hell yeah. In NXT. Hell yeah. A touch too short-lived, but I think more fluent than Demolition. Like you said, when it comes to emotions, oh, absolutely. more fluent than Demolition. There we absolutely. go. Absolutely. That's why it's my list, and that's why I made it. All right, here we go. What was your next <laughs> number, man? 45. 
the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, the original, which is Arn and Ole Anderson. Because there was another Minnesota Wrecking Crew later down the road, which is Lesnar and Shelton Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number 44. The Dream Team. Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Yikes. Number yeah. 43. Doom! Butch Reed, Good Ron one. Simmons, baby. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, number 42. The Von Erics. Pick one. <laughs> Pick two. <laughs> number Wait, three, 41. Oh, my God. Jesus what? Christ. <laughs> Well, I said pick two because it's a tag team. I got it. <laughs> yep, oh. I'm there. <clears throat> All right, what was your next number? <clears throat> Rooney, 41. <laughs> Ivan and Nikita Koloff, the Russians. All right, I'll, I'll hunker down for this one because I feel like number 40 has got to get talked about a little bit. Uh, number 40. The ain't nobody realer than Gorilla. Aku Sons, Tamatanga, Tangaloa. We don't have to say much more about them. I just like a good brother tag team. You know me. You should be probably proud that I didn't put these guys in like the top three. Then you would have known it was a biased uh, list. Yeah. I was like, all right, let's go rightfully so. They do deserve a little credit, but not necessarily. They weren't 75 worthy. They were what they are, 40. I can agree with that. Winter. Slumbering in the open air, wears on its smiling face a dream of spring. Ciao. <laughs> what I mean by that is number 39. It's touching. It's <laughs> <was> touching. <sighs> the Miz and John Morrison. I mean, this team got together in probably like 2007, 2008, as uh, both members being on ECW, eventually moving to the main roster, and something that we're still seeing today. As soon as Morrison came back to WWE, that was my first thing. I'm like, please just put him back with Miz. Please, that's the best thing. Because they had the dirt sheet. The original, like, WWE's original YouTube show, that was them, man. And they were just being themselves and having fun. But also, in the ring, major heels. Love Miz and Morrison. Mm-hmm. Number 38, all I can say is, damn! That's right, the Acolyte uh, or the APA or the Acolyte Protection Agency, whatever you want to look at them as, the Bully, JBL, and Ron Simmons, Farouk. Yeah, that's two Ron Simmons. Back-to-back. Not back-to-back, but in the same show. (laughs) Well, yes, yeah, 37. 37, we talked about when we, you know, we talked about, we're like, did we do a tag team episode? Yeah, we did. We said tag team matches, and this team came up. Both these teams back-to-back came up several times, and the first one is the Holy Demon Army, and that is Akira Tao and Toshaki Kawada. I'm not going to lie. Every time I see Holy Demon Army, I'm like, a Kiss Demon Army? I'm like, I just kind of, that's, you know, that's me being a Kiss Army fan. But what's our next number? Number 36. Their greatest rivals, Kenta Kabashi and Mitsuharu Misawa. Look at that, man. 
two teams back to back, both Japanese. I'd say I gave myself about a ninety percent on the pronunciation. I was gonna say, yeah, I was pretty prepared to jump in there, but uh, you did a good job. <laughs> You're like, I gotta be saying these ones. <laughs> <laughs> Number thirty-five, the Valiant Brothers, who did make WWE's top fifty, and rightfully so. Sorry, I'm jump. I'm jumping ahead here. I'm just checking your shit here. Oh, boy. Uh, Nightwing, uh, I apologize ahead of time. Number 34. The following announcement has been paid for by the Top of Wrestling Podcast. Fuck the Bucks. Are either of these guys doing anything else other than being a tag team? Then they're making their contributions to the tag team division. And that's what I like about a tag team. I don't want to see Daniel Bryan and Kane put together. Or kind of like what they did with Paul Roma and Hercules. They made him power and glory. Like, we ain't got shit for you guys. You guys want to wear some uh, half-cut-off shirts to become Power and Glory? Awesome. When you don't have for anybody, anything for anybody, you throw them together. Now, the Bucks, they're like, fuck it. We're brothers. Do you, would you ever take Nick or Jack, Jen, Nick or Jack, Nick or Matt as a credible, even mid-card champion? Or even a TNT no. champion? I wouldn't no. even take him as a fucking 24-7 champion. So, right. contributions are kind of in the right spot, and I think 34 out of 100 for what they do, I'm gonna, I think that's pretty fair. Unfortunately, there'd be some people out there who probably put them in the top 10. Oh, absolutely. Meltzer being one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Number 33. The original Briscoe brothers, Jack and Jerry. I laugh at that because we have Briscoes even nowadays, which is awesome. Indeed. No relation. That's what I was looking at. No relation. Number 32. <laughs> oh, you didn't know? It's Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Or, as I like to say it, the smaller version of what is now Brock Lesnar. If you haven't seen the picture of Brock Lesnar recently, he looks like a jacked up oh, Billy Gunn. He's got the same hairdo dude, and everything. I, I thought he looked <laughs> I thought he looked more like Mordecai. He does look like Mordecai. Oh, my God. Holy shit. <laughs> I hope that's his new gimmick. That'd be outstanding. I love that the guys are God. holding championship belts in that picture. He's holding a giant slab of meat. <laughs> Go, Brock. <laughs> All right. No, but uh, for real, we are talking about Billy Gunn and Road Dog from DX, the New Age Outlaws. Number 31. They held the tag team championship on SmackDown for well over 400 days. We're talking about Paul London and the Brian Kendrick. Number 30. Referenced him earlier. We did. Dory and Terry Funk. You go back and look at some of your tag teams from the early 70s and 80s. Some of the ones that are staples for what we're going to be talking about later on, they all face the Funks at some point, which is... Again, you know, you have your guys that are your stepping stones to become your better champ or your better tag teams of all time, right? Not everybody mm-hmm. can be the very best. Not everybody gets a participation award here, especially in the Top of Wrestling podcast. <laughs> we don't even get Sorry. a participation trophy. <laughs> we do at the end Number. of the season. We just give each other a beer. <laughs> Good job. Made it in our season. Good job. We didn't get canceled. Way to show up. <laughs> And then we celebrate after that and go, wait, we have an RC to desist. Yeah, wait, 29. Did we expand the season? (laughs) 29. Uh, Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson. Soul Patrol. Very underrated tag team, I think. Absolutely. Uh, One of my favorites from back in the day. Number 28. 
Can I introduce him as Doc Hendricks? <laughs> I expect nothing. They're less the guys. Me. They're the guys that are the original reason why the New Day are able to have three men defend a two-man tag team championship. We're talking about the fabulous Freebirds. And you missed it off the air, but you could get a fabulous Freebird sunglasses shirt for only $9.99 on the hotline right now on option eight. Sorry, I wow. kind of just went off on a tangent. I just saw dots. All right. <laughs> That's usually not a good thing. Right? Uh, well, hey, one of my favorites from back in the day to another one of my favorites from back in the day, number 27. Absolutely. Same here. The team that everybody remembers that broke up on the uh, barber shop, but long before that, they were the Midnight Rockers. They got fired. They come back, and they are the Rockers, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty. You know what Marty Jannetty says to people nowadays? Y'all want to see a dead body? (laughs) (laughs) Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. That was a good one. Number 26. (laughs) The original, man. The wild Samoans. I mean, you're talking about the... I always mess it up. How do you say it? The Anoa'i? 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 Anoa'i. Anoa'i family. Uh... The Wild Samoans, and they and they were scary looking tag team. If you just saw them on the streets, if you didn't know who they were, hell's yes. Uh, number twenty five. So here we are, the final quarter of this, and we have Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, Motor City Machine Guns. The work that they've done in, uh, I almost said NXT, but it wasn't uh, Ring of Honor, <laughs> as well as Impact. Their tag team contributions. They were the a very fast-paced wrestling that wasn't really existing, I would say, prior to Young Bucks. They were the original Young Bucks, if you ask me. Some of the things that Alex Shelley and Chris Saban were doing long before uh, the old Bucks came along or the old Doe or Fuck the Bucks, whatever we call them. <laughs> That was for you, NWA. See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Number 24. We've talked about them a lot lately. Yeah, and they were known as those outsiders. Eventually, they become the outsiders. Hall and Nash. uh, I mean, really, as a tag team, they kind of made a major change in the wrestling business altogether, more than probably any team, when it comes to at least getting paid. (laughs) Wait till fake diesel shows up. Number <laughs> 23. Again, if this was a biased list, all me, my own, what I wanted to do, this team would have been another one in the top three for me. Love the warlord, the barbarian, the powers of pain. Just a huge fan of that team, man. Maybe it was because it was one of the very first heel teams I saw growing up, and they were opposing demolition, but just two powerhouses. And I just huge fan of them. I think it was a very unfortunate, short-lived uh, team, but for the late '80s, pretty dominant team when it came to WWF tag team wrestling. Hell's yes, number twenty-two, the Addiction, or as we all know them as SCU. That is Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. 
They were a tag team in Ring of Honor. They were a tag team in Impact. They were a tag team in AEW up until recently. And they dominated and were ring generals in each place they went. They elevated talent in each place they went. Some of them we've already even talked about. Having great matches with the Bucks, Motor City Machine Guns, Santana and Ortiz. list goes on. Mm-hmm. Number 21. Another one probably being your top five at B. least. Oh, yeah, easily. Again, yeah, it's it's biased. <laughs> uh, Bobby, Robert, Rob, Bob, Rude, and Jimmy James Storm. <laughs> Beer Money Incorporated. Started with Jackie as their, uh, their manager as well. And they used to come riding down to the ring on rolling beer uh, coolers, which was pretty funny, but then they got real serious and became a badass tag team. They had an awesome best of five, which almost turned into, I think, like the best of seven series of Motor City Machine Guns. Took on the likes of Homicide and Hernandez, which we mentioned earlier. They were just a very strong tag team staple. Probably if you ever had to make a tag team division in Ring of Honor, or not Ring of Honor, I'm sorry, uh, TNA history, that would be number one ballot for me is beer money. Number 20. They don't raise it. They are the bar. Seamus no, and Cesaro. Or did you mean to switch them again? I did mean to switch this. God damn. Yep. Switch. <laughs> so we're good. Here we go. At number 20, it is the bar. Seamus and Cesaro. Look, I mean, in the last several years, you can't tell me a team that was probably more their size and fluent in the ring. You know what I mean? You used to have your war machine, right? You have your big guys who are and I, when I say fluent, I mean you know the move that he's going to do and when you need to come in and when we need to do double team, th- whatever the case is. Sheamus and Cesaro were two single competitors, and they were like, hey, we're going to put you guys together. Cool? Cool. And they made the best of it. They were amazing tag team champions who unfortunately lost to Braun Strowman and the great Nicholas. Yeah. But besides that shit, they were the best tag team that WWE has actually had probably in years. And I put that up against what they feel like is their number one, personally. I think the bar was way better than their number one. And I even yeah. have their number one a little higher because of longevity, tag titles, yada, yada, yada. But as a team, man, I don't know. But Sheamus and Cesaro, yeah. they made a great team together. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, we – we both say, you know, we don't want people that are just thrown together. And it kind of started that way. But the way it worked, you know, they had the best of seven. Cesaro almost kills himself. And then they do that promo mm-hmm. where after they go through the best of seven, they're in a bar together, which is how they got their name because mm-hmm. they're sitting there and they just end up wrecking shop. It was great. It was cheesy, but it worked. And like you said, the in-ring product after that was so much more than we expected. So it's fucking, yeah, it's great. I would have put them up against any tag team in that entire, in any, in wrestling and pro wrestling completely together, that entire era that they were together. I, Hell I yeah. You put them against Evil Sonata. You put them against the Bucks. Anybody that was together at that time, I still would have said Cesaro and Sheamus are a better team. Not just because I'm a fan of Cesaro, because I could give two fucks about Sheamus sometimes. But when he was <laughs> in that team, I'm like, it's a good team. I like him. Fella, it's a good team. (laughs) Moving on, 19. 
This is the team that uh, I referenced earlier when I said two out of three falls when it came to DIY. They also had some great matches against American Alpha. Yeah. It is FTR, or as we all used to remember them, The Revival. Harwood um, and... Wait, Dax Harwood and Cash Cash Wheeler. Wheeler. Just, yeah, just outstanding wrestling talent that are committed to bringing back classic tag team wrestling and you know you'll see some of the the people that make the upper list they have high comparisons to them already they Uh, could be in a top five all time if i think if they stay that way don't ever break up this team and i'll be extremely happy don't do the well they've beat everyone we should just bring them up no 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 no. just keep together it's okay it's okay let them be partners it's okay (laughs) hell yeah agreed uh, number 18, another tag team we've been talking about a lot lately. Yeah, man. Ming and Haku, the faces of fear. Just a very dominant tag team that can, did can, run can you go a back for a second? WCW. Did I miss one again? No, no. You oh. said Ming. You said Ming <laughs> and Haku. Yeah, he was tagging himself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, good catch. How the fuck does that work? <laughs> Sorry, I had to bust your balls about that. I'm one. in. <laughs> Ming and Barbarian were the faces of fear, dickhead. <laughs> 17. Uh, I'll even count the next one, asshole. <laughs> this is who everybody or WWE thought was number one. Big E, Xavier Woods, who gets a little rated R, and Kofi Kingston, The New Day. Look. Fan of them, think they turned what was a shit sandwich into something amazing. That's not really a term. That's not how you say it, I guess. It's supposed to be shit in the chicken salad or chicken shit or chicken salad. Whatever. Doesn't matter, man. It was poopy, and they made it better. <laughs> <laughs> how about that, Mr. Poopy Pants? Two weeks ago. <laughs> um, All right. No, well, man, here's but, where it, I start disagreeing I, I'm with you. I'm okay with them. I'm okay with them being at this number, but what about you? Go ahead. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I think the New Day's fine at 17. They, they've got longevity. They've done a lot of stuff. It's different than the Shield. The Shield was mostly, three, you know, it. What? yeah, I guess it wasn't. It wasn't. I guess you could make that argument, but uh, the, the New Day have had, just had more of a sustained run, and they still exist even without Big E, so. But you see, they're much better because the New Day is doing the fabulous Freebird rule, and you can get these New Day t-shirts and pancakes for only nine ninety nine. Option eight. Option eight. Always yeah, going to be option eight. That line. number is going to be loaded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number. So this is where you start this disagreeing is, with me. All right. This is where I start disagreeing with you. Yeah, because I I would almost put this one closer to the top ten, much closer to the top ten. Okay. Again, I went with whatever. Here we go. The yeah, Midnight Express. I, I I just, you know, it, it had to... It, dude, it was a very tough list, man. There's a lot of goddamn yeah, tag was. teams out there, but yes, hey, you're right. you ask me to chime yeah, in, right. I'm chiming in there, brother. I want brother. you to tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was your first mistake. All right. No, but yeah, I did bring in... Uh, Ed number 16 is Midnight Express. Uh, number 15. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. Number 14, Shelton Benjamin, Charlie Haas, 
world's greatest tag team. They were world's greatest tag team in WWE, and then I think they were world's best tag team or something like that when they went into Ring of Honor. But um, very fluent in the ring together. Both amateur wrestlers, very just, yeah, I don't know, man. I, something about world's greatest tag teams, they just reminded me. They were a tag team of Kurt Angle. That's what they were. That's why they were perfectly set up with Team Angle. It was double Kurt Angle in a tag team match. And they had excellent matches with Los Guerreros, uh, Edge and Mysterio, and some of the teams were actually going to, or I didn't even get to mention, one is uh, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. They didn't make our list. Good thrown together team. Had some great matches with uh, world's greatest tag team, but again, kept it to teams, duos, and brothers. It's <laughs> a good criteria. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> Sometimes. Number 13. That's another one I'd have higher up. What are, you're such a douchebag. <laughs> Some about this team. I don't know, man. Whatever. The Rock and Roll Express. I like them, man. They're a great tag team, but it becomes kind of cookie cutter after a while. And I think some of the, I think I look at athleticism. I look at heel work. I look at, uh, I, and this is one of the most longevity teams of all time. Okay. But you know what? Fine. Next week, we're doing a top topic ODM's 100 fucking tag teams. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> ODM's list is going to be top 20. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Number 12, the Botchamania Express. Oh, wait. No, that's not them. You know, they say a lot of men in a tag team can botch once or twice. But me and my you brother, Rick, like we do it all Scott the time. Scott Steiner mixed with Jim Cornette. M- motherfucker. <laughs> Steiner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Steiner Brothers. Number 11. Jimmy and Jay, the DW, the Uso brothers. <laughs> it's going to be a dry oh a D- Thanksgiving a D- dinner a, this year. There's a DWI <laughs> commercial that plays on the radio all the time. I almost started singing it. Nobody would get it. Uh, number 10. Uh, I may actually know that jingle. The Heart Foundation. That is Jim the Anvil Neidhart and Brett the Hitman Heart. Both worked as heels and faces in the tag team division in the 80s and 90s. Number nine. Number nine. You want to wait and do a five-second pose while they uh, uh, well, we take some pictures? Edge and Christian. I'd rather just a... <laughs> uh, number eight. Well, they're greatest rivals of all time, which is also being reignited on Dynamite, by the way, with Christian and Matt Hardy, but it is the Hardy Boys, Jeff and Matt. Number seven. Mark, uh, Mark, this I don't give a fuck what you think, man. These guys, whether in Ring of Honor, New Japan, NXT, doesn't matter. And WWE even put them in their top like 15. Fish and O'Reilly. If WWE is putting them in their top 15, you can't tell me all time they're not where they should be right here at number seven. Lucky number right. seven, Fish and O'Reilly, baby. All right, number six. These guys come straight out of Dudleyville and uh. If you spit in his face, Bubble Ray is spit right back in yours. If you haven't watched that, look that up on YouTube. That's a doozy. That's right, the Dudley Boys. Top five. What do you think about number five here? You think rightfully so? 
Yeah, I definitely think when uh, I saw, Thank you know, you. The, the older original Briscoe brothers, I was like, I know the other ones have got to be way higher up on the list. And certainly they are uh, just looking at the list. I'll just give my assessment really quick. I think the top five is good. Um, uh, honestly, I think number four, I probably would move up to three. I'd swap three and four. Let's put it that way. Other than I that, actually I think the it's same a solid top five. I, you know what? We're going to go that road anyway. So here is how okay. our top five is. But top five. Number five is the Briscoes, Mark and Jay. Since 2002, when Ring of Honor got started, they were a tag team. They're still a tag team today. Jay did drift off and become world champion at one point. Yeah, and they just had the farmhouse match, which Jim Cornette, of all people, gave mega praise to. Um, But Mark went off and became... Uh, television champion, like they've gone off and done single things, but they still come back and become a tag team, which they dis- just did again at Best in the World this past weekend. They're a team till they die, man, and I love them as a tag team. They are, um, it- it's a team that I always thought I wished WWE would pick up, but I'm extremely super glad they didn't because they got to be who they are to the very end, them boys. Number four. Is the ticker broken? Oh, there it is. All right. It is Dynamite <laughs> Kid and the British Bulldog, who's making his second appearance in this list. The British Bulldogs. Number three. Team that we give a lot of praise to if you listen to this show pretty often. Um, and that is Stevie Ray, Booker T. They're coming for you, Harlem Heat. Just, I mean... You want to talk about brothers tag teams? That's actually probably one of the best brother tag teams of all time. I, I mean, just personally, I don't know. Maybe it was their style that was just a little bit different than everybody else's and it stood out. But, I mean, how many time tag team champions together? You know, it just unbelievable team. And, and I think yeah. that they held Six. the tag team division together for years in WCW. They were the glue to that tag Absolutely. team division. Great promos when they had Sherry with her. They were great, uh, you know, and, and you've got a nice mix. You've got two big dudes, right? A lot of power moves, but Booker could hit all those, you know. There was the spinner Rooney. There was the side kicks, the spin kicks, the the almost like a famouser kind of move where, you know, just, you know, like you said, they held that division together. They really uh, were mainstays for yep. quite some time. And we've seen them already that, week after week. They can go with anybody. Any team that was there, yeah. they made other teams look good. You put the Steiners in there with other people, and you're like, ah, is Fire Nice look bad or does <laughs> the Steiners look bad? Because Fire Nice had a bomb-ass match with Harlem Heat. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they did. And, oh, and the man. ring psychology I gotta be honest, there, too. If, oh, totally. Absolutely. Especially cheating. Love a good team that can cheat. And to be honest with you, if it was up to me, if this was the biased professor list, who we're going to say at number two right here would be number one. But it's only because I love heels. I'm a major heel man, and when it comes to best heel tag team, I personally feel of all time, you can't talk about anybody other than the Horsemen, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard. They're coming in at number two. And I'm just going to go ahead and say what number one is so we can have our debate, see if we're on the same page or not. Number one is Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. You said you were in agreement already of the list minus how we would flop those two. So I assume you agree the faces, Road Warriors, 
they are they are America's team, right? You're 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 big team, the tag team that everybody loves no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Like not nobody really booed the Roy, Road Warriors unless you were coming out shit faced drunk in '97. Other than that, <laughs> everybody fucking loved you. So longevity wise. Face-wise, I say that's why they're in number one, and the Brain Busters are in number two. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the Brain Busters, I mean, are pretty much inspired FTR. I mean, I think they've said just as much. I mean, that's really who you think of when you see FTR is the Brain Busters. Uh, and not just because Tully's their manager now and not just because they do the spike pile driver. Uh, but everybody remembers them, and it's easy when you think of the Horsemen to think of Ric Flair or even Ric Flair and Arn Anderson because they didn't make this list because they would just tag together as one-offs as part of the Horsemen. It was Tully and Arn, and you're talking in-ring psychology, cutting the ring in half, being able to cheat without getting caught, playing dirty, doing whatever it takes to win, and being on the same page as your teammate. Uh, so, yes, I, I think you could make an argument for them to be number one. The Road Warriors, I don't think for me it's so much about them being a face and, and all that stuff. It's just there's a pop named after them. So... And, you know, and you can say it's because they're face, but I think it's just because they're one of the most badass teams of all time. You're talking two legitimate tough guys that will fuck your shit up and look super fucking cool. That's just it right there. If you had to make a Mount Rushmore of tag team, you put them in there, right? Absolutely. One of the main reasons you put them in there, right, and I got to throw this out there, is Hogan and Cena are going to be your general uh, and Stone Cold are going to be a part of your general uh, Mount Rushmore's of single wrestlers, right? Because they were the top guys, right? That's what you're going to hear every now and then. Merchandise. LOD was a giant merchandise seller. I haven't sure. seen anybody other than New Day. No other tag team really sold merchandise the way LOD did, man. Ta- they had the spikes that you could get in WWE. You can get yeah. the T-shirts. People would fa- uh, paint their faces. Just Crowd-wise, I don't think there was ever a more over team than the Road Warriors. How dare WWE fucking say that Kofi, Xavier, and Biggie are better than Animal and Hawk? What the hell are you smoking? You know what, Vince? Put yourself in that fucking performance center each week and start just looking in the mirror. That is another episode in the books from the Top of Wrestling Podcast. We appreciate you being with us again each and every week. Next week, we will be hearing from NWA Nightwing Analyst. We are also going to be dipping into 25 years ago, the Monday Night Wars. And I'm not going to lie, I had to do a little bit of traveling. Today, I'm actually broadcasting from Oklahoma. Beautiful here. But had to double up on my... Uh, my watching, just in case I had any form of uh, travel issues. Next week is going to be one of my favorite wrestling weeks ever from Monday Night War history. I remember it. It's one of my favorite episodes of Nitro all time. Can't wait for next week. We appreciate you guys listening to us. I am the professor, and I bid you a farewell. As always, ODM is going to leave us with a movie quote, so... I, myself, I'm going to go grab a sweet vermouth of the rocks with a twist and probably drink to world peace. And ODM is going to leave you with his movie quote of the week in the form of gold dust. Oh, son of a bitch.
I was in the Virgin Islands once. Met a girl. We ate lobster. Drank pina coladas. And at sunset, made love like sea otters. 1993. The Top of Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by The Top of Wrestling Podcast. Your hosts are The Professor, Mark Fantasia, and ODM, Joe Rizzo, with special weekly segments by Nightwing the Analyst, Rashawn Hilton. Without your continued support, it would just be some guys talking wrestling. Feel free to interact with the show on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and by email at thetopofwrestling at gmail.com. By the way, I have uh, like 18 different championships on the way. I'm going to start standing in my mirror and wearing them. Oh, yeah? For real? <laughs> no. You should get these nice cases. That boy has some nice cases. You can probably talk to him, find out where to get them from. I should go out and buy like as many of the kids' ones as possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the toy ones and get like a bullshit case and put them together. <laughs> oh, dude, that's awesome. You know, you know what you could do to make it even better? Just get a bunch of like wire hangers and just hang them from those. <laughs> no, even better. Fuck, You'd be like, dude. you go in the closet and flip through them like they're shirts or something. You better. I'm going to make them all by paper like I used to when I was a kid. <laughs> just make a bunch of fucking championships. <laughs> That boy was too broke to buy belts.